today, as I record this episode, I am working on some market research. I've been talking to mamas just like you about their past births and their current pregnancies. And guys, there is one resonating thing I've heard from every one of them. And today we're going to talk about it in depth. The provider you choose, ladies, has the power to make or break your pregnancy plan. One of the most consequential decisions you'll make about your care during pregnancy is who will attend your birth as your provider. This person can single-handedly make or break it all. I don't say that to scare you at all, but to jolt you to the reality that this is a big deal. And you can't just pick based on what somebody in some Facebook group told you or who you heard was good. Maybe that's right, but you need to do some work to find out. You have to take time to do the work and do it right. You have to be willing to say no and walk away if you know a provider isn't right for you. You cannot say, oh, it'll probably be fine. Well, it might be, but if it isn't, it can impact your entire life moving forward to include your future births. This episode is going to equip you with the questions you need to ask when you are choosing your provider. This is a very tactical episode, so go grab a pen and paper and let's dig in. Ladies, are you tired of feeling out of control in your pregnancy care? You know deep down that there must be a better way, but you just haven't had the time to find it. Well, I want to welcome you to the Your Birth, God's Way podcast. I'm Lori, a certified nurse midwife. After years of being neck deep in the broken medical system, I escaped and discovered the secret is to trust the designer. Inside this podcast, you will find encouragement, education, and information to empower you to have God's best during your pregnancy, birth, and beyond. If you're ready to reclaim your peace and joy in this beautiful time of life, this is the podcast for you. Listen to me, Mama. You can do this. And just like the little engine that could, I'm going to help you do this little bit by little bit. So go grab that coffee you forgot about in the microwave and make sure it's decaf if you're still cooking a sweet baby in your belly right now. And let's dive in. Okay, before we get started, just want to read another review that one of you wonderful mamas out there has left me over on Apple Podcasts. This one says, Lori is a wonderful resource for mamas seeking to deliver their baby naturally. You can guarantee that she has done mounds of research on top of her value expertise as a midwife. Those are such kind words. I'm humble that you would say such nice words. Um, and if you're listening to this and natural birth isn't your thing, don't leave. This podcast is not just about natural birth. This podcast is simply about reclaiming the joy that God intended for you to have in your pregnancy, however that is for you, whatever that looks like for you, okay? If you have not left me a review yet over on Apple Podcasts, I ask you very humbly and very kindly, please go take maybe 30 seconds and leave me a review there. While reviews on other podcast apps do help, they don't help as much as Apple Podcasts. So if you don't have a iPhone or an iPad or MacBook or whatever, maybe borrow one of your friend's phones or something just for a second to leave me a review. It helps more than you realize and helps me to find more mamas just like you. All right. Okay, let's get started. Did you realize that one of the number one things that drives women to come find midwives for their care is the bad care they receive prior to pre pregnancy or birth. How sad is that? 
It's, it's very sad, but it is true. They want out. They want something different. Sadly, they want this often because they feel that the things that went wrong in that prior birth weren't necessary. They felt ignored. They felt that things would have gone differently had they had a different provider. If you're the mama who's already had that bad experience, first, let me say that I am so sorry that your joy was stolen, and I want to help you get that back next time. If you're a woman who hasn't had a baby yet, I want to help you prevent having that bad first go-round. There are many wonderful doctors and many wonderful midwives, and no matter which you choose, you are going to need to take time to choose wisely. Ideally, you make this choice before you're even pregnant, when the pressure is not on. If you are already pregnant, that doesn't mean that you just skip over this step, though. Yes, you have the pressure of a timeline that you know that this baby is coming, but you still need to take the time to do this right. I promise you it matters. This can also, the information we're going to talk about today, can be applied to choosing a doula if you're looking to hire a doula. Obviously, the doulas are not the ones who are going to be the decision makers in your pregnancy, so the questions might be a little bit different, but they do help advocate for you and they support you, so you will want to ask them a lot of similar questions. And if you don't know what a doula is, we'll hit on that in a future episode. I shared with you in the last episode that as a midwifery student, I knew that my provider who I chose for my pregnancy really mattered, and yet I still made a poor choice for my first pregnancy. You can learn more about that in the last episode. If you want to hear that story, go check it out. If someone who is very familiar with the system, like me, can end up with a bad provider, listen to me when I tell you, anybody can. So let's work through this list. I'm going to give you a whole list, and it's going to be a lot. But it won't take long, and here's what I want you to do. I want you to jot down notes as I go, but please don't feverishly try to write down the questions themselves. These are all available at my old blog, which was called House Midwife, and I'll have a link in the show notes to that article so you can go see them for yourself. I want you to focus on writing the why behind the questions. I won't touch on a why for every one of them because some of them are very self-explanatory, but on a few, I'll work through the rationale for why you want to know those things. So take notes on those and maybe even pause this real quick and go print off that list so you can write your notes next to the question so you'll have it all in one place. Whatever works for you is fine. All right, so here we go. One other quick note. Even if you find a provider who will grant you an interview time, like a free interview with them to decide if they're right, they're not going to have forever to spend with you. So I would encourage you to take this list and choose your most important questions, the ones that matter the most to you, because you're not going to be able to ask them all. Okay, so the first questions are for potential birth providers. This may be a physician. This may be a midwife, either one that you choose. These apply to all of them. So first, what is your philosophy about birth? This will tell you a lot about whether they see birth as something that God created as a natural part of his plan or whether they think that pregnancy is an illness. Okay, because many of them think that pregnancy is just something to be fixed, but it's not. Okay. Second, how many years have you been attending births? Third, how many births have you attended? Fourth, do you believe in natural unmedicated birth? If you are talking to a provider who doesn't believe it should happen and that's something that you want, you need to not even entertain it any further. It will break your your whole plan because they're not going to support you. Five, what percentage of births you attend are unmedicated? 
six, and again, these are just, I'm not telling you that you have to have a natural birth by any stretch, but if that's important to you, these questions are going to matter, okay? Six, what percentage of your patients get an epidural? I'll tell you real quick that they're not going to know these numbers off at the top of their head. They're just not. And they're probably not even going to take the time to go get them for you, but they should be able to give you a ballpark and you should be able to tell if they're telling you the truth or not just by how they talk to you. Okay. Seven, what is your opinion of doulas? If you are planning to have a doula. Eight, what is your primary C-section rate? That means the number of time, number of first time moms that end up with a C-section. That tells you a lot because a very small percentage of moms should ever have a C-section at all, somewhere in the around maybe 10% or so. So if his primary C-section rate is 30 or 40, which a lot of them are, then that tells you right there that his philosophy, no matter what he told you back in the previous question, probably doesn't line up um, because if it did, the primary C-section rate would not be high. Number nine, what is your overall C-section rate? That will then bring into the count the rest of the moms that aren't first-time moms. Number 10, where do you have hospital privileges? This is important because if you are planning on delivering at a certain hospital, but you are talking to a doctor who can't deliver there, then you've got a, a problem. You're going to have to find either a different hospital or a different provider. 11, do you require IV access during labor? I'll tell you that in a hospital setting, almost all of them do. Um, so if this is important to you, you're going to have to work through that and work around that. Number 12, do you require continuous fetal monitoring during labor? Again, I'll say most do. Some will negotiate. Some will, quote, allow you, and I hate using that term, but some will allow you to come off of it some if you're natural. But this is something you want to hash through on the front end. 13, do you require the mother to stay in bed for labor? That kind of goes into the previous question of being allowed to move around. 14, do you cut episiotomies? If so, maybe how often? Might want to add that one in. 15, do you use vacuum extractors or forceps ever? And if so, how often? 16, do you require postpartum Pitocin? 17, do you allow moms to eat or drink during labor? If you're in a hospital, almost without fail, they're not going to let you. And I, again, I hate that I have to say let and allow, but that's the culture that we live in. And this is one of the reasons why I encourage so many moms to get out of the hospital whenever possible, because you have so little control. Uh, where was I? How often do you require vaginal exams during labor? That's a big one, because if you don't want hands down there all the time, but you're in a hospital where they require it every hour to see, quote, how you're progressing, you're going to have a problem and you're going to be angry. Okay, so you want to know that ahead of time. And really, most of these questions are going to be for providers out inside of a hospital setting, because most of these things are just not an issue at all if you are wanting to deliver at a birth center or at home. Is there a time limit for birth to happen after my water, water breaks? What do you do if the baby is breech? Do you require certain testing? Do you offer alternatives to testing? For example, if you are getting the gestational diabetes screening test and you don't want to drink that terribly sugary drink they want you to drink, is there an alternative? Do they allow you to do a different type of testing? 23, do you require ultrasounds? And if so, when and how many? There are many providers who won't even let you walk in their office if you have not had a dating scan somewhere around six or seven weeks. And um, many of us are vehemently opposed to that. So if that's a problem for you, you're going to make sure to find a provider who does not require that. 24, 
Do you recommend or require vaccinations during pregnancy? You'll be surprised to find that there are many doctors who will push vaccinations on you that have not been tested during pregnancy, and they will tell you that they are safe. However, there is no new evidence to support that, and they will push it anyway. So if that's a big deal to you, you're going to want to find a provider who does not. 25, how do you define post-dates or being overdue? Different doctors might look at that a little bit different, and so you want to know that. Um, do you require post-dates testing? Do you allow birth photographers? Do you require GBS testing? Most, almost without fail, will. Uh, number 29, if I am GBS positive, do you require treatment? Again, most in a hospital especially are going to require it. So if that's important to you and you want to find other alternatives, you're going to need to make sure that you have a provider who will support that when the time comes. And that's the kind of thing you're not going to know till way close to the end. Most GBS testing happens around 36 weeks. So by that point, most people, you're already dead set on who your provider is. And if you start bumping heads at that point, it's going to probably be later than you're going to be willing to change providers. So knock this one out early and make sure you're on the same page. 30, what are your thoughts on management of, quote, big babies, suspected big babies? That means basically some doctors, if they think that your baby is big, they'll try to have you be induced early. And if that's a problem for you, you're going to want to deal with that on the front end. 31, what happens if you're unavailable when I go into labor? 32, what postpartum care do you offer? What I mean by that is, what, you know, how long do they stay after? What do they require of you after you've had the baby in their office? Like, do you come once, you know, maybe the week after or four weeks or six weeks? When, when do they want to see you? How often will you see me after the birth of my baby? Are they going to just send their backup or are they going to actually come see you and check on you? Do you assist with establishing breastfeeding? If not, do you have staff that will assist? Oftentimes the doctors will not, but midwives will help you if they have the time. But if they can't, are there lactation consultants available and things like that that will help you to get breastfeeding started? Side note, don't wait until after the baby's born to start learning about breastfeeding. The absolute most important thing I can tell you to increase the level of success with breastfeeding is to prepare ahead of time. But we'll talk about that in another episode. Once you're tired and exhausted and sore and all the things, you're not going to learn very well anymore. So you need to have that already done before you get there. All right. 35, what experience do you have in dealing with postpartum depression? 36, what are your thoughts on artificial rupture of membranes? What that means is when they break your water for you before your water has broken on its own, what, do they require that? Is that something they believe needs to happen? That kind of thing. 37, do you allow for delayed cord clamping? 38, if they do allow it, how long will they allow you to wait? Uh, preferably, they'll allow you to wait until the cord has stopped pulsing, but that's something you're going to want to find out if that's important to you. Do you actively manage the birth of the placenta or will you allow it to come in its own time? That's one that most people don't think about, but it can lead to a lot of problems. So we'll talk on the, about that in a future episode about the options and what matters and why it matters, but that's one you just want to kind of be on the same page about because at that point it's too late. And if they are requiring the placenta to be birthed in a certain amount of time by pulling on the cord and doing things like that, problems can arise and they can directly impact so, so many things like about blood loss and breastfeeding and 
I, I can't get into it all today, but um, just keep that one on your list if that's important to you. 39, will there, be, will there be any students, residents, or other apprentices working with you? Some people have no problem with having students. Some people do not want anybody in that room at all that doesn't have to be. So you need to deal with that ahead of time and make sure that you're on the same page. And number 40, why should I hire you instead of other providers? That's a good one. All right, so these next few questions are just for midwives if you're considering hiring a midwife and you're interviewing one. These are some suggested questions. Number one, what situations would cause me to risk out of your care? Midwives are experts in normal birth. So when certain complications arise, you are what's called risked out. It means you're too high risk for that level of care. So it's good to know what are some of the situations that would cause you to no longer be able to be cared for by that particular midwife. Number two, do you offer any in-home care? Number three, how many births do you take per month? This is for home birth midwives only because if you have a home birth midwife who takes 10, 11, 12 births, there's a very good chance, statistically speaking, that they might be at another birth when you go into labor. So you want to know about how many they take and what their backup plan is if they are at another birth. Uh, most home birth midwives will take on the order of maybe four to six, but some take more. So you'll just want to know that and, and know what you're comfortable with. Number four, do you use a fetoscope or a Doppler to monitor the baby's heart rate? That's important if you're concerned about the exposure of the ultrasound waves to your baby. Number five, what is your transfer rate for moms in labor? Number six, what is your transfer protocol in case of an emergency? Again, that's just for the, those are just for out-of-hospital midwives. What equipment do you carry to a birth? Also for home birth midwives. What medications do you have at a birth to manage emergencies for home birth midwives? Are you certified in neonatal resuscitation? Most will be, but you want to know for sure. And make sure that their certification is up to date so you know that they have been refreshed and, and know what to do if there's a problem with the baby's heart after birth. Number 10, do you have a collaborating physician? And if so, who is it? That's important because if they are having to answer to a physician and some states require that, then you want to know the, the philosophies of the person behind them. Often a, a physician who's going to support an out-of-hospital midwife already respects natural birth or they wouldn't have ever collaborated to start with, but it's just good information to have. Uh, 11, do you offer water birth? And if so, do you provide the tub or have tubs in every room? And that's for a birth center. Do they have tubs in every room? If it's a home birth, do they provide a tub or do you need to get one for yourself? And number 12, what assistant staff are present at the births you attend? That's important because they almost never will be there completely by themselves. They need somebody to help them in case there's something going on with mom and something going on with baby at the same time. You need hands on both of those. Okay, so that's a whole bunch of questions there. So you've got, you've gone to your interview, you've talked to the provider that you're interviewing. Now comes the questions you need to ask yourself. All right. These are kind of introspective questions where you just have to really get down to that gut feeling, your God given instincts. God gives you intellectual ability to read between the lines, He gives you that mama instinct that. Let's be honest, when you ignore it, you always wish you hadn't, <laughs> okay? So let's go through these last few questions of what you need to ask yourself. Number one, do I trust this provider? That's the biggest. Do you trust them? Do you feel like you can trust them? Do you feel like they're being honest with you? Uh, 
Number two, did this provider talk to me on my level or did they talk to me over my head? If they did not talk to you on your level with respect, that's a big red flag. Number three, did I feel rushed? Do you feel like they were just sitting down with you to just try to get you on board and they're just trying to get it over with? Or did they actually take time to talk to you and respect your questions? Number four, do I feel like this provider will trust me to decide what is best for my baby and me? You don't want to be at odds all the time having to fight about things. You want them to respect your decisions. Number five, do I have a good feeling about this provider? That goes back to number one of the trust. Do you just feel good about them? Six, do I have any reservations about this provider? Seven, does this provider balance interpersonal relationships with providing care well? What do I mean by that? Basically, do they, are, are they human? <laughs> I don't know how to explain this any better. Do they talk to you like they are a robot? And what the textbook says is what goes? Or do they look at you as a, a human and want to work with you and provide the care that you need, not just the cookie cutter prescription of what needs to happen. I hope that makes sense. Number eight, did this provider have any negativity towards my questions? Number nine, did you enjoy your time with this provider? I just realized as I read this that I switched back and forth between my and you, and I apologize for that, but this has been up for years and I'm not going to change it now. <laughs> Number nine, well, I said, did, did you enjoy your time with this provider? Number 10, did you have any sixth sense reactions to this provider? And what I mean by that was, did you ever have a gut feeling of this is the one or this is not the one? Don't ignore that sixth sense. Number 11, if your husband was with you, did he have any sixth sense reactions? Don't overlook that either. Make sure you give him a voice. Number 12, was the office staff nice and helpful and respectful of you? So the people who brought you to the room, the people that you might have seen in the hallway or at the desk, did they look at you like you were crazy for wasting the doctor's time or the midwife's time, or were they kind to you? That tells you a lot about the culture of the care that's provided in that office. Number 13, did you like the overall feel of the office? Number 14, was the office and the waiting area clean and neat and comfortable? That tells you a lot about what's important to them. Number 15, did other people in the waiting room seem to be waiting for a long time? That's a big one if you're on a tight schedule or if they're always running two hours behind. Your time is valuable. Is that where you want to be for your care? Number 16, does this provider accept your insurance if you have insurance? And number 17, does the hospital with which this provider has privileges accept your insurance? And those are going to be very important for those of you who have insurance. So that is the list of things that you need to ask yourself. Okay. So now, what questions did I miss? Do you have any questions in, on your mind that you think should be on this list? What ones did you ask or would you ask the next time you were looking for a provider based on your past experiences? I would love to hear your answers. I'd love to hear what you would add to this list if you'd send them to me over at Lori at yourbirthgodsway.com. I'd love to read them. And that's all I've got for you today. As if that wasn't enough, I don't even know how many questions that was, but I know it was a very long list and you're probably just trying your best to digest it all right now. That's okay. Make sure if you didn't already that you go print out the list so that you'll have it available and, and you don't have to try to 
right till your little hand falls off. But uh, I appreciate you sticking with me. I appreciate you joining me. If you have questions about anything or need any help finding a provider or, or knowing where to start, my last episode will help you a lot. But if you need more than that, again, shoot me an email over at lori at yourbirthgodsway.com and I'll help the best I can. And I will see you right back here next week. Wait, don't leave yet. I appreciate you taking the time to listen so much, but I need a quick favor to help my podcast get off to a great start. If today's episode blessed you in any way, would you head over to Apple Podcasts and leave me a quick written review? That's the best thank you you can give me, and it will help my show to reach more mamas just like you. I'll see you back here in a few days.